Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Mid-Off Cricket Podcast. Mid-Off, because by midway through, you'll probably want to switch off. I'm your host, Ross. Let me introduce the team. A second-generation gloved artisan and the boy from the wrong side of the tracks come good. Welcome, David. Thank you, Ross. Uh, suitably lubricated for a Friday night, to be honest. Um, really <laughs> looking all. forward to episode 18. <laughs> <laughs> a man who had said Dave Warner modelled his game on, and our man with his ear to the ground on all things local cricket and club politics. Welcome, Michael. Hello, gents. Hey, Mick. Hey, Mick. Hello, How are you going? Good. Australia's number one Nathan Lyon fan and our groundskeeping guru. Hello, Alex. Hello, everyone. Yeah. We're now um, able to vote in the podcast elections now because we're 18 episodes yeah. in, guys. So. Oh, oh, yeah, just Jump out of the blocks of the ripping gang. Oh, yeah. 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 They're really strong. Everyone just went, oh. yeah. yeah, real yeah. strong. There goes, our, there goes our listener. What's that? <laughs> 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 it's only going to go up to me. Can't go any worse than that. Very crisp, Alex. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like how we've gone political. Yeah, yeah. a bit of sizzle. Yeah. yeah. Today oh, I love a bit of sizzle. From the Twin Studios, I'm located in the salubrious Alex Doolan Studios at the foot of Mount Alexander. <laughs> are in the greatest city of Reservoir in the Michael DiVenuto Studio. <laughs> this is a big line production, brought to brought to you by our ever-growing host of financially viable sponsors: the Gold Medal Soft Drink Company, Dick Smith. Masters, Pizza Haven, Bionicle Bills, Ollie's Trolley, Milo, Franklin Supermarket, Tucker Bear, Pocket Mail, Hey, Pocket Mail, <laughs> Copper Up, Laserdisc, Flash Drives, and all of our podcasts are recorded on high quality Betamax. So on that, Ross, um, I'm in talks with a new recording sponsorship. I'm talking to the Boffins down at 8 Track, so we're looking <laughs> to get some new stuff in there. And I'll hear big things are coming out of the 8 Track studio. Technology, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. new technology, groundbreaking idea. I see. Well, so, yeah, watch this space, everyone. I'm very keenly awaiting that. Um, <laughs> You'd be the only one. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Uh, we, we move now over to local cricket, and it's over to Mick for a match report. Alrighty, so um, after our request last week from uh, one of our listeners about what had been going on in the Cali Shield, I've decided to just go through some local matches that we've been talking about over the journey. And I'm just going to um, read out a match report based on what I believe happened in that match. Okay. So this is Mick's made-up match report. <laughs> so uh, this week's... So this week's match report is for the uh, Swan Hill District Cricket Association A-grade grand final. So the 2015-16 granny saw the Nye District Demons take on the reigning Premier, which were the Swan Hill RSL Blues, at the Swan Hill Showgrounds. All right, to add a little extra spice to this year's grand final, it was also the 22nd time the two clubs would meet for the Carinti Cup. <laughs> the Cup awarded to the winner of these meetings between Good Off Cricket Podcast legend Mick Carinti's former clubs. <laughs> For those wondering, I'm oh, Karenti. Um, so, Nye District won the toss and chose to bat first on a pitch that was greener than the, than the Incredible Hulk's backside. And Demon skipper Dean Harrett must have been sweating bullets when one half of his opening pair, Andrew Robbo Robertson, was walking back to the pavilion after making a duck. Mm-hmm. So, for those members of our podcast family who are keen on their D3 amateur footy, that Ian basically who isn't really. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, that 
That is the same Andrew Robertson who used to hold down the full back for the yes. Uni a few years Didn't back. hold down it too well. No, but he, yeah. but he, 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 he held allegedly. It <laughs> held it down, yeah. but not well. All right, so despite watching his partner walk off, walking off without bothering the scorers, Nine District resident Ronald McDonald impersonator and my ginger cousin, Ben Sheridan, was feeling good after making his maiden turn in the semi. Oh, good effort. Yeah, so unfortunately the ginger, nin- ginger ninja didn't fare much better scoring seven, keep, keeping disappointing opening batting in the family. How do you go, Happy? Quite. off, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> you probably thought, yeah, you didn't realise the bloke went off as tall as he is. Yeah. Uh, so... So the Demons slumped to four for 24 before the side's eldest statesman, Kevin Wooding, made it out to the middle. Wooding batted, batted through the innings with a very special moment when Kent's son, Lachlan, batting at number 11, strode to the wicket to meet him for the final wicket partnership. It would have been a tear in the old man's eye. So it was a very touching moment. But unfortunately for young Lockie, the old man promptly went out. <laughs> no, didn't trust his yeah. partner. Just swing it out of his ass. Stranding, stranding, stranding his son on zero not out. Uh, word is it was pretty uh, frosty around the dinner table at the Wooding House. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Lockie, that's it. Lockie was all good at number 11, claiming he had a ton in him. Uh, Nye District finished the day all out for 121. The chief destroyer for the RSL boys was Patrick Pasta. Batten. We took seven weeks. I thought his last name was going to be Buck. <laughs> Pastor Batten. So, uh, yeah, so as the RSL, RSL boys rocked up on day two, telling each other, it's not even two runs and over, boys. Mm. RSL went out to bat pretty confidently. That was until Nye District opening bowler Joel Walsh decided to do his best Courtney Walsh impersonation <laughs> and tore through the Blue Boys, taking seven for 37. Hey. Yeah, Joel's only a young fella, too. He's a, yeah, he's expensive. He's only a young fellow too. He's only about 17, 18 years old. Uh, and earning the mid-off podcast, man of the match. Helping roll RSL for 117. Delivering Nye District a victory of four runs. In the Corinthian Cup. In the Corinthian Cup. So they defended 121 in the granny, which is a pretty good effort. Um, bat, bat first, you win. Pretty yeah. simple in a form. What do we hand out to the mid-off for your podcast, man of the match? Is it a giant check or like the IPL at dirt bike? Um, what it is, it's it's a Lego dirt bike. You got to put together yourself. <laughs> I think we're yeah. in talks of getting a giant check, but written on a trampoline because they bounce so much. Yeah. Hey, yeah, hey, there's hey. a little sizzle for you. That's nearly as bad as my opening one. Nah, I delivered it better. Yeah, I think, I think the check. Hey, I think I think we give them a thousand. I think we give them a year supply of groceries mm. from Tuckerback <laughs> and three thousand bucks. I'd also take the time to go through the RSL scores, but the boys didn't even enter them into my cricket, so I'll leave it. So I'll leave that be. So while I've got some time on my hands, I'll take another chance to pop my rang a cousin. <laughs> ben, you took zero for eleven off nine overs. List your game, fan of pants, and stop embarrassing the family. But at least you won. <laughs> so final scores: Nine District 121 defeat RSL 117 to take home the Swan Hill District Cricket Association A Grade. Premiership and the Corinthian Cup and the Corinthian Cup. So, as well. Mick, as a doyen of both teams, who were you rooting for on the day? Uh, I, I have to admit, because I'm because of the mean spirited human being I am, I was kind of rooting for RSL. So that way, my cousin didn't get to play in Premiership. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Glad I'm not in the Corinthian family. <laughs> that was a good match report, Mick. But no, I'm happy the boys from uh, Nye got up. So they're a young side. They made some. 
big changes over the off-season to get success, and it worked for them. So, yeah. Steam Dimbos instead of fried Dimbos. Yeah, and they asked, they asked the coach for They went from year. Snowy River Pies to Belfers. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> no one goes any good on Snowy Rivers. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have one of those before oh, you walk into some place and they've got Snowy Rivers in the warmer and you go, Povo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You move on. sell them yeah. for... Two dollars fifty, and they bought them yeah. a supermarket of eighty cents. Yeah, no. It's like having AC Cola instead of Coke. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just move oh. on. Where's this Povo place? Oh, they got two <laughs> new on tap. I love they've gone into like a bakery slash oh, convenience I... store slash pub. Yeah. We're an everyman podcast. Yeah, mm. we sure are. Mm. Um, oh, very interesting, Mick. Um, yeah, I'd good. Like Mick. to hear some more. Um, those sort of match reports, I think. That's the MMMR segment. Yeah. Mm, mm. Not so, to be for, for confused with MKR, but MMMR. No, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Right. Our show rates better than MKR. Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. That's right. um, it's over now to Premier Cricket, and I believe there's some big news uh, about uh, Tom Beaton going. He's come over with the Renegades, he's a yeah. WA boy, and he's signed up for a Premier Cricket Club. He's coming to package deal. He's uh, Liam Jones, Jason Tut, and Tom Beaton. They're all going to Carlton. <laughs> yep. Because they, um, they axed Adrian DeLuca in the off-season, so they had to replace him with someone. So. And they had to replace him with three people, is that big? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Adrian DeLuca's neck was that long. You need three men's necks <laughs> to make up for his... Yeah. Carlton are a favourite of the show. Obviously, the Ludeman boys played out of Carlton. Yes, so that's true. They're friends of the show. Yeah, yeah. one of them played together, and one Ludeman played uh, A grade, and one played fourth. We won't... I mentioned who's <laughs> um, the one who played A grade is still playing state cricket for South Australia, yeah. but hey, that's yeah, neither here nor there. Yes, uh, well, there's a very brief uh, Premier Cricket uh, update. <laughs> well, what'd you expect to see this over? Well, we now <laughs> yeah. have some good news about sponsorship. We have uh, oh. a couple of our segments are now sponsored. Oh. Brought to you by Wikipedia, it's over to Alex in the Camping Corner. <laughs> Wikipedia is still a relevant thing though, so we can't uh, be sponsored by them. I think it's like sponsored. I think it's like sponsored by um, John Deere or something. No, like uh, um, Matrix Printers. Yeah. I forgot you. Victor Moles. That's good, bit good mm. stuff, mate. Yeah, good. Kicking us off. Captain Snooze. That's what oh, I was yeah, say. Yeah. Oh, hilarious. Yeah. Oh, I feel so down on myself now. Mick's had half a <laughs> cricket as well. Keeper's lager, and he's already ready for hey, it's bit. It's been a long week. Yeah, yeah it's a, the end of the week. Yeah. All right, so guys, um, I'm just going to show this around, head it around a clockwise fashion to the studio audience. Can you please, one of you guys, read the top of this? I think yeah, this it is says uh, "Discover Cricket Grounds from Above" yeah. by Zachy Cooper and Daniel Lightman. And uh, we will acknowledge the aerial photographs by Ian Hay Flight Images. Mm, yes, we will. So this is a book purely of photographs of county grounds from above with a little bit of history next to them and a, uh, um, a bit of a, just a rundown on how the ground started and stuff like that. So uh, my lovely fiancé bought me this book for my birthday and I was absolutely wrapped. So during, uh, during the week I posted a photo and uh, fantastic Chris Bullock, friend of the show, got a... Uh, uh, signed lithograph that we painted by me, sent to him. So, <laughs> and he wanted to send Creek Ground. So, anyway, the ground was Trent Bridge and Nottinghamshire play out of there. Now, Ross, mm. who would you think is the most famous person to come out of Nottinghamshire? Uh, Robin Hood. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that just Nottingham? That would have um, been my guess. Nottinghamshire is the shire that the town of Nottingham is in. Yeah, well, you've got to be more specific. You can't just say, well, it's like, 
Well, oh, you go England. Oh, well, then Robin Hood from there. Yeah, okay. Can't say that. Uh, Stuart Broad? I don't know. Oh, that's good. I was going to say Harold Larwood and Bill Voce. Well, Harold oh, Larwood right. is much more famous than Stuart Broad. Mm. Like, much more. Yeah, that's exactly. Considering he was part of the Bodyline series and the arsehole that tore us apart in 1926. And I think Stuart Broad is actually originally from Leicester, just down the road. Ah, yeah. oh, turncoat. Yeah. Well, Leicester mm. are no good, so... Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Not uh, soccer, apparently. No, no mm. good at cricket. Yeah. Mm. So just a history on the Trent Bridge ground. It's oh. named after the bridge that goes over which river? The Trent. Trent? Yes! Oh, yes, <laughs> yes. Good, good guy. Oh. Ten big pizza points oh, for Ross. I'm, I'm now, score here. Can, you, can, you, yep, can you guys name the two ends at Trent Bridge? Pavilion end. Correct. That's one. I think every county grand river end. No. Oh, isn't there a large bell at the other end? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting caught two weeks in a row. Is that the bell end, Ross? <laughs> <laughs> nah, surely it's the church end and the George Street River end or something. There's the Radcl- Radcliffe Road end and the Pavilion end. Oh, there's always a Pavilion end. Yeah, there's always a Pavilion end. And the Bird Down Pub end. Shout out to South Rain Brothers. Okay, cool. Um, let that one go through to the keeper. Come on, mate. Get on with it. Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. So, um, as you guys might have guessed, I've done no research other than five minutes before the podcast. So, so yeah, stand standard podcast. Me. Yeah, standard podcast. Yeah. Bit, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> hosted county cricket since 1840. Jack. Uh, yeah, man. And the club was formally constituted in 1841. So, one year after they hosted county cricket, not even sure I moved in and went sweet. We're going to formally constitute ourselves as an incorporated. We, we know how it works. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> 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 they... Um, Entered the first, the Northamptonshire entered the official championship in 1890, won their first competition outright in 1907. That season, the brothers Gunn, George and John, Gunn and Kimbo, as they were called back mm, in the day. Of course they were. Yep, uh, mainstays of the batting, while two spinners were the most penetrative bowlers, Albert Hallam and Thomas Wass. Oh, big Wass. Yeah, so you know, George yeah. Gunn was idiosyncratic, according to Cricket Grounds from Above. Um, and he played for Knotts until the ripe old age of how old? 39. Older. 52. Older Knotts. Ross said 47. I don't know if you heard him. Yeah, no, I heard him, but it's older than Nick. 55. Slightly younger. 54. Slightly younger than Nick. 53. Yes. And he played 15 test matches. Is it Brad Hodge or is it this <laughs> old boy? <laughs> and he played 15 test matches. He played his last test match at 51. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But that was in like 19. He was the only man to exceed 30,000 runs for the county. Right. One club, 30,000 runs. runs. He scored... Oh, he played a long time. He played from 1902 to 1932. That's a long, 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 the next season, he took 100 wickets that season in the county cricket <laughs> at an average of 17. Your homework project. Uh, Gin, yes. is to find out how many games they played that season. That's a good say, idea. They used to play three-day games, and they used to play everyone home and away, and there was like 15 or 16 teams. They'd play oh, okay. 30 first-class matches, like 26, 28 first-class matches. Jesus. Yeah. They played three-day games up until like 93 or 94. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. okay. Yeah. So, so they'd, uh, play, they'd play them back-to-back. They'd play two in a week. Yeah, true. Yeah. Is that all they did then? 
Yeah, they they county. They were professional. Well, that was like five, five test matches a year back then. Yeah, yeah. Like, they like, to... surely they got to work somewhere. No, no, but county cricketers were professional cricketers back then. Oh, yep. Okay, yeah, okay, oh, fantastic. Would, they would, eight um, shillings they, a game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> eight shillings and four hackneys. Basically, <laughs> three play... bit just for lunch at the dinner. Sorry, Roscoe. Yeah. They would basically play every day. Okay. Awesome. A, yeah, from April to September, they would play five to six days a week. That's the life, isn't it? And then fight off scurvy for the rest of the six yeah. months, I guess. Yeah. yeah, don't forget to have your line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, scurvy immediately. <laughs> or dengue fever or something. Or Come back on the post. Take, um, um, vitamin C suppositories because of that. <laughs> <laughs> you just wanted to say the word suppository, didn't you, right? No, it's true. Okay. Okay. I thought they'd just take a line, it'd be easier. Unless uh, sort the of suppository was easy, I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we I'm conscious of time. What are we doing? <laughs> We're meandering. Yes. That's great. So, um, uh, they sort of, speaking of meandering, not even sure I meandered through the 1930s and 40s, but the spirits were lifted by the signing of the Australian leg spinner bowler Bruce Doolund in 1952. Has anyone heard of that guy? Yeah, yeah Alex Doolund's dad. dad, yeah. Doolund. Yeah, they changed the spelling on that, Alex. They didn't want him to be. Real, they didn't want to. They, they oh yeah, he didn't, want to, he didn't want to live in the shadow of his dad. No, because look how shit this chipper is. He's going to yeah, embarrass yeah. us in fifty yeah. years. He can't even bowl leg spin. Yeah. Mm. And also, he'd probably be his granddad if it was in nineteen fifty-two. Anyway, and maybe his dad really. Doolan took eight hundred and eight wickets in five years. Jesus, Jesus that's a good going. So he went. He started playing in nineteen fifty-three. And then left in 1957 to 808 wickets in the meantime. <laughs> Unbelievable. Fuck, that's what <laughs> 200 a year. <laughs> they play a lot of shit cricket in England. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. Um, can you guys name probably one of the most famous, cricket, famous cricketers of all time to play for Nottinghamshire? An international signing. Dan Christian? Close. <laughs> <laughs> Only slightly better than Dan Christian. What sort of ilk are we talking We're talking about? an all-rounder. Neil oh, Harvey. Sobers. Yes. And at that, he hit the... Oh, oh, yeah. he, he hit 66 and over at Nottinghamshire against Glamorgan. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah, in 1968. So that's pretty amazing. Sure, was that Garfield Sobers? Yeah. Sir, Garfield Sobers. Gary, 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 Gary Sobers. Nearly threw all my underlined bits that I underlined five minutes before yeah. the podcast. Yeah, yeah, right. That's good. <laughs> um, so up and down performances in the 90s and early 2000s, but Nottinghamshire won the championship in 2005. Um, Stephen Fleming was their captain, New Zealand great. Mm. Yeah. Was um, KP playing for Nottinghamshire? Mm. Probably not up until like 2006 when I imagine this book came out. Yeah, I think he did five years there before he okay. got um, English citizenship. I reckon it was there and then he switched to Hampshire. Yeah, after that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, in he's like, not listed. Oh, he's, yeah, you're right, Ross. He's listed in their former notable players. Yeah. yeah. Well, he'd be happy about being called a former notable player. So right? Kevin O'Brien. He couldn't get a game with KwaZulu-Natal. He was batting number eight and playing as an off-spinner. And then yeah. he couldn't get a game because of quotas, so he moved to England and took up an yeah. offer to play for Nottinghamshire. The, uh, the little jockey with the dodgy heart, James Taylor, played for Nottinghamshire as well. Yeah, that poor bloke. Poor. Yeah, that is pay up. Yeah. As did Chris Canning's. Well, Chris Cairns. Like, literally a pee heart, probably. <laughs> Come on, get so, on. So, so <laughs> we, we know the leading run scorer is uh, George Idiosyncratic Gun. Leading wicket taker is Thomas Wass. 
Not Harold Wildwood, yeah, the West God. Vass, maybe it's Vass. Wess on, Wess off. He played from 1896 to 1920, so these guys play forever. 1,600... Under Under No, well, he's a fast bowler. Uncovered pitches, Russ. Ah, yes. It's a dime a dozen. He was a spinner. Vass. He was a leggy. Uh, 1,653 wickets and average of 20 this guy got. <laughs> Crazy numbers. Silly. Yeah, so they are silly. Think of, well, okay, let's, you want silly numbers? Most wicket-keeping dismissals, Thomas Oates. Mm-hmm. 20,000. <laughs> 957 oh, dismissals. Piss off. 733 catches and 224 stumpings. Probably okay. a lot of vast. Because they played at the same time. I've got about 200 dismissals at West Ham, and I reckon that's good going. <laughs> and Terry, Derek Randall from 72 to 993 is oh, the most capped English player mm. for 47 tests, but I imagine it's probably Stuart Broad now, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. If you're going to buy a book, get a recent one, mate. I didn't buy this. This was a gift. From who? My lovely well, fiance. Tell her to pull her head in and get you an updated version. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, I'll get an updated version of the... Wisdom. Yeah. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> the guide to cricket grounds. This segment's been going for 15 minutes. Has it? Yeah. Okay, well, we'll call it quits there. It's fantastic <laughs> stuff, guys. <laughs> um, so, prob- yes? Getting back to this book, it's a it's a book of aerial photos of cricket grounds in England. Yes. It's a magazine. It's a glorified magazine. Yeah, no, it's a magazine. Yeah, it totally oh, okay. is. Yeah. It's pretty so much almost a poster magazine. I, I once yeah. came across a website, or it might have been a book, I can't remember exactly which one, and it was aerial photos of all the VFL and VFA grounds in oh, England. Oh, jeez, I'd love that book. Oh. You would have been a bit of blood rush on there. The, uh, the hilarious thing about this, Ross, yep. is majority of the photos of these cricket grounds, they have covers on them. <laughs> so it's sunny it's in the terrific. photos, but they've all got covers on it, which is hilarious to me because it's England. It rains all the time. There's always a river next to the ground too. Oh, yeah. Mm. There's a river there, like Trent River. I was going to tell you something about Trent Bridge. Please yes. do. So, Trent is it a suspension bridge? No, no. Trent yeah. Bridge Cricket Ground is next to uh, Nottingham Forest Soccer Ground, uh-huh. which is right next to Notts County, I think it is. Soccer yes. Ground. Yeah, the three yes. grounds are like one next to another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, so no, sporting no concept hub. of ground sharing in England. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. So, hub. Hub of sport. It's like the MCG precinct. Yeah, but MCG's only got one ground. Oh, I suppose there's those other... Yeah, other ones now. Yeah, Pope Road Oval. Yeah. Goshus Paddock. Yep. There's the other one there. Melbourne Rectangular Stadium. Yep. (laughs) Well, thank you. This has been the groundskeeping corner definitely heavy, guys. Mm. Let's move on to David Bullock's 400 pages of research. Yep. No, in fact... Research. Who do you think you are? Are you the host? No, I am. It's (laughs) open. To Mick for the express lane. Oh, yes, please. Oh, All righty. So, uh, so the express lane. So we've got, um, so as we talked about last week, these are blokes who have played less than 12 games for Australia. So uh, this week in the express lane, we have got the man at the centre of the can't bowl, can't throw sledge, which engulfed the Australian summer of 99-2000, Scott Muller. Hey! But before I talk about warning a cameraman named Joe, let's touch on the backstory of the newest man to come down the express lane. 
Andrew Scott Muller grew up in the inner Brisbane suburb of Hurston, best known for being the home of the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospitals. Many streets of Hurston are named after local identities, but rumours of a petition to name the local tip after Muller could not be <laughs> Muller's first-class career began when a 19-year-old Muller was selected for Queensland in the final match of the 1991 Sheffield Shield season. Bowling first change behind Big Carl Rackerman and Dirk Tazala. Oh, yes, please. Scott, That's a good bowling lineup. Scott took <laughs> figures of 2 for 85 and was so impressed by his own performance that he promptly went missing for the next five years before <laughs> turning to the bullside in 19, 1996 at the urgence of John Buchanan. Uh, Word is, John Buchanan locked him in a room and told him boring stories until he agreed to play for Queensland. <laughs> Basically, Queensland cricket's version of waterboarding. Ah. Muller floated in and out of the Queensland side for the next two seasons, struggling with injuries and lapses in form. The 98-99 season was Muller's breakout, taking 22 wickets at 18 and a half runs. Pretty good. Not a lot of wickets, but pretty good uh, average. But in typical Australian selector style, Muller was selected in the Australian squad to tour Sri Lanka, despite the fact Andy Bickle and David Saker had taken more wickets than him the previous mentioned Shield season. Bickle took 39 wickets, and Saker, I think, took 39 as well, and he got picked ahead of them. Was he, like, fast... Oh, was it was just, he, you know, the just, fire bread. Yeah. Was he a left arm nah, or was he only had right arm? Just, just, yeah. right, just right arm military. Just, just big, hulking. Well, then what would you pick? You know what's even more shocking about that decision? Was the, John Buchanan coach at the time? That Rob Marsh was nowhere to be nah. <laughs> Nepotism. <laughs> All right, so an injury to Australia's least in-your-face vegan, Jason Gillespie, saw Scott <laughs> Muller called up to the test on to take on Pakistan in Brisbane and to become the 382nd man to, da- to don the baggy green. His debut was uneventful, taking three wickets, all tail-enders, and, go- and going at about five-plus runs and over. His second test was no better, bowling with about as much accuracy as a stormtrooper. <laughs> Muller was informed after the finals day play that he wouldn't be making the trip to Perth for the next test. And as the mature, well-adjusted bloke you would imagine he is, he refused to leave his motel room to celebrate with his teammates. Really? Real two-year-old toddler stuff. That's confirmed stuff. That, that was an amazing pretty. win. Yeah. That was when Langer and Gilchrist chased down a heap. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately for Muller, sitting home watching TV probably wasn't the best option. As on the, as on the episode of the panel that night, they aired the footage of an errant Muller throw when a mic picks up someone mutter, can't bowl, can't throw. Cricket Australian Channel 9 went into damage control and the general consensus, but the general consensus was that Warney said it. Yeah. But the good folks at Channel 9 came up with a more unbelievable story than Brent Edelston marrying for love. <laughs> <laughs> Channel 9 found a, in a scapegoat in Joe Privatera, who yeah. from that day forward would be known as Joe the cameraman. Hey. The man who never paid for a beer at the bar again. I will jump in at a second, Vic, but I think you might be mentioning what I want to talk about. To this day, I'm I'm winding up so you can jump in a second. To this day, Muller still believes Warren was responsible. After heading back to Queensland, he took on the Indians in a tour match, Mm. where after dismissing uh, Sachin Tendulkar, Muller leant into the stump mic and sprouted, that's six for the game, Warning. Oh, yeah. this guy. Unfortunately for Muller, this incident was just a short chapter in the, in the colourful story of Shane Warne, but it saw Muller's career go into a downward spiral he would never recover from. 
With the exception of a one-day game in 2002, Scott Muller never played state cricket again. I thought he never played ever again no. after that. Muller finished with two tests, taking seven wickets at 36.85. Pity that wasn't his batting average because he could have been a New Zealand legend. <laughs> And that's the express. Kick the heels ah, in the now, on the, I remember seeing the interview they had with Joe. What's his last name? Trevor the cameraman. cameraman. Joe the cameraman. Now he's Joe the cameraman. And they made him put cameraman yes, style headphones yes. on, like for the whole interview. And I'm like, it's obvious. He obviously didn't say it because why would you need to do that? Yeah. To, Reinforced it. He's the cameraman, so he did it, and it wasn't warning. The other thing that made me laugh was that Channel Nine could never explain for the first time in television history how a cameraman was picked up talking on an effects microphone. Well, yeah. I actually like in <laughs> doing in doing a bit of research for this story. I actually read a few articles, which we which weirdly because this all happened so on Wikipedia, right? Research. No, no, actual. Articles on the internet. Yeah, I did Scott <laughs> and um, I did a little bit on Wikipedia. But um, a couple of it, they actually Cricket Australia and Channel Nine come out saying that the mic that it was picked up on were effects mics that are around the boundary. Therefore, no player was standing next to him, so it couldn't be a player. But then Scott Muller's like in this because this uh, this article was with Scott Muller, and he didn't really say too much. And all he said was, "There's an umpire out there who knows the truth who won't tell the truth." And that was basically the end of the article. So, yeah. conspiracy theories all around. It's like so the old... Uh, must have gone to Scott Fowler and told yeah. him that what he said. Yeah. It's, or said, they must be talking about it yeah. because that was water. So, I'm guessing, I think, from all accounts, the umpire was later seen on the grassy knoll. But that's the difference. the umpire know, though. Like, yeah. I talk so much shit during the game of cricket. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? And the umpire would yeah. never, like, he wouldn't remember what I said to him. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe because that's his, his 80, he's an octogenarian. <laughs> he he could barely when hold you're talking his to him, all he hears is... All he hears is... All he hears is... All he hears is... He just nods and smiles at you, David. Was, yeah, yeah, your bolt really good off his, yeah, yeah. <laughs> left arm over, mate. They turn in the leggies. Yeah, you know, you're a spinner. <laughs> anyway, left arm more than off. Yeah. yeah, that's it, Roscoe. Oh, thanks, Mick. That was uh, excellent as always. The mole face. Sorry. Muller. Scott Muller. Mole face, no? Uh, okay. oh, you don't smoke it too much green. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the Western. That's the Western one. This is me. Ross panicked and he just pushed the first button he saw. <laughs> he doesn't know how to turn it off. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> it's over to Dave now with the good, the bad and the ugly. Righto, gentlemen. Yes, this is where we report the news. Okay, uh, the big news. What yeah. news? The big stories happening. Grand's Corner has a spin-off podcast. Yes. <laughs> when we started this podcast, we had one clear goal in mind. We were willing to scratch, beg, borrow, and steal in order to reach this goal. It's such a momentous occasion, Ross, that I'm foregoing my brilliant Western-themed segment to bring <laughs> this news to our people. <laughs> <laughs> We've had our ups and downs. Along the journey, there was times when I thought we wouldn't make it. My computer wanted to restart for 12 minutes before <laughs> we were scheduled to record. And I need not mention the great Nile West internet dropout of East 2016, <laughs> to name just a few issues. Can I interrupt you, David, there? Do you remember Absolutely. the day we did a 45-minute sound check? <laughs> <laughs> through all this, we've managed to shine through with our head down, burrowing through the brick wall that is the internet media. Mm-hmm. All the while fighting personal challenges along the way. Hell yeah. Ross, 
You've been forced to front up every fortnight with knowledge that while you have a great mind and love for the game, a deep passion and knowledge for its players and a robust understanding of the great rich tapestry of the sports history, <laughs> you couldn't play the game to save your life. <laughs> <laughs> to sit the company of three club championships, 20-plus fifers and a few hundreds for good measure cannot be easy every fortnight, and for that you must be commended. That's why I have a separate studio. <laughs> <laughs> Alex has to come into the concrete bowels of the Mick Lewis studio every two weeks and look around to see the entertaining juggernaut that is Mick and myself and try to keep up with these two rampaging entertainers. I think I'd do all right. A person, I would not relish. Fighting uh, above my weight. The knowledge that your most entertaining segment come via the way of a phone-in while you are on the Great Western Bike and Microbrew Tour must also sit uneasy with you. Good times. Through all this, you turn up and face Hurricane Carenti head-on and try to push through all the while knowing that you'll be under immense scrutiny. I applaud you. Thanks, mate. Mick has to curb his natural aggression in the, student, in the name of good radio. <laughs> the name, the man who could use five F-words to describe a newborn baby joins us in the studio every two weeks after suffering through what I can only assume is some form of meditation session with your Northgate quinoa crowd <laughs> just to get through the podcast without flipping his lid. I think he flipped his lid at the Northgate. <laughs> the constant needling and probing from his fellow podcasters to try and extract the real Mick only serves to suppress his rage. <laughs> the fact that you sit through groundskeeping corner every fortnight without turning into TNT Carenti is a great credit to you. <laughs> and I'll admit that carrying the burden of being the youngest, therefore best, member of the podcast, <laughs> is a cumbersome load. Always 15 to people. While research isn't my strong suit, what I lack in preparation I make for up an entertainment value. And while I enjoy contributing to the great success of this extraordinary program, despite my truculent exterior, <laughs> I still fight the personal demons and sadness of knowing that I will never get to live out my dream of playing rugby second, sevens for Fiji at the Real <laughs> It's all this in mind. All of our trials and tribulations that I am pleased to report that we have reached number one on the iTunes Cricket Podcast search list for the explicit cricket podcast. <laughs> and I think a lot of this credit needs to go to Alex, because if he didn't bore us to tears each week, we wouldn't have occasion to swear, thus losing our explicit label. <laughs> Fuck off. It's been a tough slog to get to this point, but I'm assuming it's all smooth sailing from here. <laughs> now that we have reached this lusty goal, I feel it only appropriate to update our loyal listeners on the next goals we're hoping to achieve individually and as a team. Uh-huh. Ross will now be working towards realising his dream, joining the ABC Grandstand team and covering his favourite topics from fixturing to mind-numbingly boring stats. <laughs> He'll be an asset to that team, as I found them moving too far towards being entertaining, mm. so I'm looking forward to Ross straightening them right back up down the earnest path. Yeah, Drew Morgan's style, <laughs> real boring. Yeah, real, real dry. Yeah. Alex now has the appropriate notoriety to do what he's always wanted to do. This project can now be revealed. Alex is working on an Australian Cricket Groundskeeping Employees Association and negotiating a collective bargaining agreement that would make the AFLPA blush. He's been in touch with our resident red tie, Lucy Toothcoat, yep. to discuss the figures. Hopefully this takes good. up so much of his time that we can get Jamie Jury in to cover his groundskeeping segment. He'd <laughs> <laughs> be pretty good, wouldn't he? Oh. With the great exposure of this podcast, Michael is now moving towards a career in cricket administration. As the new head of Cricket Australia, Mick will be able to iron out the issues surrounding this once great cricket powerhouse such as supply of apparel and which beer the players are requesting for after the game. 
Mick will also have his finger on the pulse in ensuring that the test scores are entered in the night cricket in a timely fashion <laughs> and ensuring the players are respecting the red line in relation to Australia's cricket's uh, liquor licence policy. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been looking to achieve what I've always sought out to do since day one of this podcast. Quitting this podcast and descending into salubrious surrounds of the Channel 9 commentary box where I can join my hero James Grayshaw and co., and getting paid an absolute shitload to confuse a pull shot with a cut shot yeah. and peddle memorabilia <laughs> about Steve Waugh's greatest calf tear to the masses. <laughs> and also I'm um, talking about keeping his shit too, As a team, the goalposts have changed. Mm-hmm. We're now looking at the next challenge. We need to tackle head-on. And I think I speak for all of us when I say the next goal that we want to achieve is simple in theory only. A bar set so high will be a miracle if we are able to achieve this one in the record time that's taken us to get to number one explicit cricket podcast in the world. And let's be honest, that's unlikely to change. No. The goal, though, is as such. We just want to make some fucking money out of this. <laughs> well, I've been talking the eight track, so it's going to come in. Mate. Yep. And that's uh, good, bad, and the ugly. Ross? Oh, thank you. Great speech, mate. It's like Obama. Good. That speech. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. It's not Turnbull good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, get back to politics again, yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> An exit stinger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? That's the Western theme, good, bad, the ugly yeah. theme. No, but it's, it's like a remix to it or something. How'd that go? How'd that go, Ross? You enjoy that? I think Ross is now speaking through um, sound boards. Jesus Christ, we've jumped the shark, fellas. Well, I, well, I, I enjoyed that immensely. I'd be happier if Alex stopped talking during the stinger, though. Jeez. Yes. It's, it's a very long stinger, oh. and I'm not sure I'm up for it. We'll have to... Okay. Okay. Oh, you heard that well, stinger, though. I put some was, bloody hard... You did. Yeah, I'm research. I'm proud of you, boy. Not research. No, listen, you're always 15 years old to me. I'm proud of you, little fella. Alex, <laughs> I can tell you, officially, that was 59 seconds in two 29-and-a-half-second bursts. So I don't think it's long. Seeing as we spent... 16 minutes talking shit about Trent Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> wait, till you, wait till you hear my singer I'm going to send through during the week. All right. Um, yeah. Make sure you don't send that email. Is okay. it just a lawnmower? The genius idea. I was more just going to be like a long-form jazz sticker that goes for like 15 minutes. No, that's fine. No, yeah, we've got good. a strict 30-second 30 30 stinger policy. Mm. All, right. All right. I'll find a soundbite of a lawnmower then. Yeah, we move over now to uh, Australian national team talk, and um, I hear that the Australians who played in the Masters T20 comp in the UAE haven't got a dime yet. Yeah, that's correct, Roscoe. So the word coming out of it is that the uh, Aussie superstars have not been paid. The probably most concerning thing about that is that on the Cricket Australia website, under the um, headline of Aussie superstars, is a photo of uh, Adam Gilchrist shaking hands with Nathan Horrocks. Oh, so right. I'm a bit disgusted to hear that people consider Adam Gilchrist an Aussie superstar. Like, good <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so no, but that's the word coming out of the UAE. Like, it's understandable because, as we know, there's um, the UAE is a fledgling third uh, third world uh, nation. So it's very unsurprising they don't have any money to pay these boys. So you don't get rich by handing out your money. Yeah, well, that's why keep it. Keep yeah. the shackles in your pocket, Ross. That's it. That's what a it. surprise, though. A bullshit sort of competition doesn't pay anyone. Yeah. 
It's because they didn't have any jazz flute at the opening ceremony. Yeah, oh, they said the alarm bells ringing. Yeah. That's when the money comes in. Yeah. Exactly. There wasn't a PowerPoint presentation at the opening ceremony <laughs> with dancers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also, talking about the Cricket Australia website, who, who else has been um, very, very, you know, closely following this ODI GOAT competition? It slid across my desk that... Um, Kumar Sangakara has mm-hmm. been voted as the ODI GOAT. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting to see the way they work out their brackets. I think yes. Ponting was voted out in like the round of 16 or something. Right. And clearly he's one of the best ODI players yes. of all time looking at his record. So, so if Bevan anyone doesn't Hussey, know what GOAT means... It's yeah, Bevan and Hussey were against each other. Yeah, oh, and, really? and Bevan oh, okay, so Hussey was a much better right. player than Bevan. Mm. Absolutely, well, doesn't Bevan have an average of sixty though? Yeah, but doesn't matter. Mike Hussey. He also took a billion wickets. No, not one day games. Put P- yes. your tongue, Michael Bevan took a billion wickets. No, not a billion, but he took wickets. Nah, he Hussey wasn't. He wouldn't have bowled in ODIs any more than what Hussey bowled. Oh, no, let's have a little bit of a bet on that. Ah, bullshit! Would you like a bet a barrel of? No, what I won't bet a barrel. <laughs> what I found hard to believe was um, also in one bracket it seemed to be fast bowlers. Wasim Akram, to me, is the greatest one-day fast bowler of all time. Absolutely is. And he lost to Wakar Yunus or Imran Khan or something. Mm. I thought you were about so to say... Against that... left-handers, mate. It's prejudice. Oh. I thought you were about to say he lost to, like, fucking Nathan Bracken or something. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Which was a very good one-day bowler. Yeah, yeah. But Wasim Akram would be the, uh, in the top... He'd be the wicket, leading fast bowler, number of wickets taken. Oh, he's... Where was... Uh, where did... Um, Clint McKay go? Well, I don't know. I don't think he's in any bracket. I think he, I think he missed a cut of 135,000. Also, Adam Gilchrist didn't like get... He was like one of the Gilchrist greatest bowlers of all time. Alex, stop talking. Um, <laughs> Alex... Um, Adam Alex, Gilchrist yes? didn't get near oh. it. I mean, yeah. how is he yeah. not See, a that, that's a bit crazy yeah, as well. How is he not a better one-day player than Kumar Sangakara? Is this goat thing... Because I haven't been following it. Surprise, surprise, guys. Is it... Is it... Who's running Cricket Australia? Yeah. And it's just like it kept the fans involved in the off-season yeah, type much. thing. Okay, yeah. why are we caring? Ah, oh, just something to talk because about. Because it's... Okay, yeah. it's out there. There's, there's a no cricket, cricket podcast. We have to talk about cricket. Okay. There's no cricket on. Yeah, okay, I get it. Right. Maybe saying that Cara got up because... Because of his performance at the Hobart, Hobart Hurricanes, yes, he had the most go- he had the most goat like performance because he's just munching down garbage. <laughs> <laughs> he ate a few blackberry bushes while yeah, he was. So here. Michael Bevan's bowling stats in ODIs: yes. thirty six wickets at forty five. Oh, is that it? Best of all time. Get around him. Although to be fair, Michael Hussey's is um, two wickets at one hundred and seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, a billion wickets. Yeah. Yeah, in comparison, yeah, a billion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, there you go. That's uh, National Team Talk. Some other news uh, that uh, came across my desk was that the upcoming West Indies tour, the games are all switching from day games as they are scheduled. They're all going to be day-night games now. And that's the one-day tour, right? Yes. Yeah. Which is... Uh, uh, reported as historical event yes. that they were all day and night. I'm like, well, that happens everywhere else in the world. So, I mean, it's historical for that area to yeah. first time, but it's not that big of a deal, I think. Yes. Over reported. It's sort of something that happened in this particular corner of the kitchen. Mm. Yeah, mm. exactly. Michael, have you got something that just slid across your desk? I do. I do have something that slid across my desk. So, in my uh, researching of the blokes not getting paid, I've also come across an article on the Cricket Australia website 
that says Cricket New South Wales and former Test and ODI skipper have held discussions about the upcoming season. But not uh, Mark Taylor, is it? Summer, uh, summer. Former Australian captain Michael Clark has held discussions with Cricket New South Wales about possibly playing in this year's Matador Cup. Sorry, Matador Barbecue's One Day Cup. Set to sizzle. Set to sizzle. <laughs> as well as the KFC Big Bash. Mm. Yeah. So uh, the 35-year-old will turn to Sydney Grey Cricket in February, as we know, and he's uh, and he will be headlining the T20 tournament in Hong Kong. Broken on this show two weeks ago, which Roscoe uh, talked about the last episode. But word right. is now that he's in talks, which to be to his credit, he had flagged that at when he started playing grade cricket that he was still interested in playing state cricket in some capacity. Mm-hmm. So they're actually officially in negotiations to bring him back to play in the Matador. I find it interesting that he's never played a BBL game. Mm. When he's been contracted at two different teams, he's never played a game mm. of BBL cricket. So he never played any IPL either. Did he? Uh, did he play? He played a year at IPL. Yeah, he oh, did. Okay. He did. The year he got married. He Is it the one of the first years he that it started? Yeah, it would he normally he pulled no, himself no, out of that about, sort of stuff. It was about three or four years ago. I reckon it was about oh, really? five or six. Yep. Who did he play for? Deccan. Uh, Pune, maybe. Uh, okay. Mm. Played half the season, I reckon. Okay. And then he got married. Uh, did we break that news on the last podcast that he was playing in Hong Kong? Yeah, yeah, we did. We broke the news. Mm. Oh, really? I thought that mm-hmm. happened in the interim. And we had nah, breaking. Well, if breaking we didn't news. break it, we've broken it now. Yeah, we yeah, broke it now. Right. I thought we did talk about it. We're like the cricket hutchie. Yeah, yeah. No, we're not. No, but didn't we break it first? Yeah. <laughs> as we told you on our last podcast, yeah, as I tweeted yeah. at 3.29pm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we also rifled through someone's garbage to find a story like yeah. Hutchie does. Well, he eats people's garbage. <laughs> and doesn't he do, what's the shower? I think he just eats for? people. When he showers, oh, he, doesn't, he doesn't wash himself, Hutchie, because he's just a big slob. slob. Like he just stands under the shower. Can't find a suit that fits him. <laughs> just real mudgut arrangement. Yeah. The suit jacket just doesn't button up. They're just on for looks, yeah. Yeah, and, and how much do you reckon Clark's getting paid to play those games in Hong Kong? What do they use? Do they use the Too ring? much. No, that's Malaysia. What do they use in Hong Kong? RBM. Ah, of course they do. Oh, I'm going to go with 250,000 RBM. Mm. I reckon 50,000 Aussie to get him over there. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Minimum wage. He gets out of bed for less than that. Mm. <laughs> oh, no. Well, neither do I. Let's be honest. Yeah, excuse me. Well, I'm an international businessman now, so... I don't get a bit for anything well, less than I'm, 70. I'm not, but I'm just happy earning shitloads doing computers. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the office reference, I love it. Uh, well, we, we, we close down that stunning conversation and move over to oh, another yeah. equally exciting one. It's Cricket Rewind Quiz. All right, let's sound a tangent so we can go off here. Ross. Do you want me to stay out of this quiz? Well, yeah, sick please. Of no, yeah. I'm sick of winning. Really Actually, yeah. if you stay out, then I'll just make myself look stupid getting all the questions wrong. Right, I'm staying out. Mm. <laughs> so, can we test our buzzers, please? <laughs> that's me. That's, a, that's, that's shocking. That's a um, Move on. What's the question? <laughs> all right. The topic tonight is the 1999 World Cup. Okay. So, it happened in May and June in 1999, surprisingly, almost 17 years ago to the date. Yeah, it is too. It doesn't feel that long ago. 
It does for me, Ross. Okay. Right. It, <laughs> <laughs> it was exactly 17 years ago. Yeah. Uh, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Australia's first match um, was against Scotland at Worcester. True. Yes. Ha! That joke every week, and I'm just <laughs> never not funny. <laughs> Sorry, Ross. Yep. And yep. Australia won that. They had two. Uh, they had a strong lineup, but they had a couple of interesting names in their lineup. Wondering if you might know. One was an all-rounder batting at seven. Tom Moody. No, it wasn't Tom Moody. They had a. There was. I've actually gone through and looked at all the changes they did during the tournament, and it took them a long time to settle on a lineup. Okay. So they they had a number seven, an all-rounder, and then they had one of their bowlers. They're doing a bit, a little bit interesting with their bowlers. So see if you can work out what was going on there. Uh, was the all-rounder the freak, Ian Harvey? No, no. Yeah. So was, did they go uh, Paul Rifle for the all-rounder? Spot? No, no. Because he used to bat high as a bowler. He was yes. playing in that, wasn't he? Yeah, he didn't play in the first few games. Okay. Mm-hmm. <sighs> no. Dave. Who knows? You yeah. seem to sit near white. No, no, you don't know. This, no. is, this is what I was fearing when yeah. you said I'm dropping out. That I'll have to actually answer this. I've got no idea. Was it Big Joe Angel? Was it? Oh no, close. Is it all round? Oh, Brandon Julian. No, wasn't he played a bit later? Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah. Um, 1999. Got a funky Miller or something. No, he got a famous brother. Shane Lee. Yes. Wow, Shane Lee was in at seven. Fat Guts Lee. And the bowling attack, um, they had with the new ball. Adam Dale? Yes, Adam Dale. Uh, yes. That's so right. Because in the final they had Pigeon and Flemmo. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it down the, the pitch. theory was that um, the dual oh, ball swung around too much or something like that. Uh-huh. South Africa held back um, Alan Donald and didn't uh, yeah, they did too, bought, yep. He bought uh. And in the first few games, Australia copied that tactic. So the, the opening bowlers were Fleming and Dale, and then McGrath came on first change. Yep. Yeah, so they beat Scotland fairly comfortable. Well, not, well, as you do when you're playing those sort of teams, they beat <laughs> Put the queue in the rack. One yeah, of the other games. Yeah. One of the other games we won the first half of the World yeah, Cup. That's that one. about right. So they're Australia in Group B with Scotland, New Zealand, Pakistan, Bangladesh, and the West Indies. Mm-hmm. Group yes. death. Yeah. Oh, group death. Yeah. <laughs> it was that year. Trust me. Uh, they then played New Zealand uh, four days later at Cardiff. Got smacked. Yes. And now who? Hit the runs. Who was the match winner for New Zealand? Oh God! Oh, not Pig Nose McCullum. No, he played, but he only got mm. twenty-nine. Uh, I feel like it's like uh, I feel like it's Adam Perore or something. Oh, Perore was not out at the end, but he only made ten. Daniel Vittori, Chris no. Cairns. Oh, Chris Cairns made sixty, but he wasn't the match winner. Uh, I have no idea. Now this this name Iron Nathan Astle. No, this name Ooh. I remember, but uh, don't worry if you don't. Roger Toos. No, <laughs> no idea. Yeah. Have ever you heard ever that heard of that bloke? Ever. No. no. So the rest of the lineup is Astle, McMillan, Fleming, Cairns, and Perore. 
So yeah. all names you've heard of. And then Good the bloke who made 80 not out and got him over the line was Roger Toos. <laughs> How's that spelt? T-W-O-S-E. Okay. So he he'd be dining out on that more than Ricky Nixon, I reckon. <laughs> Getting around New Zealand, telling everyone about his 89 in the two, World two, Cup. Or twos, twos. Yeah. Twos, twos. Twos, yeah. twos. Yeah. <laughs> what did you run? Oh, I ran twos. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right, so that wasn't great. Beaten by some no-name New Zealand bloke. Yep. Australia then moved on to Leeds, and they played Kazakhstan. And, David, you'll obviously know what happened there. Uh, we got shit on? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Pakistan made 275. Australia reacted to that loss to New Zealand by axing uh, Shane Lee. Standard. Yeah. Who did did they bring in at number seven? Rifle. No. Tom Moody. No, they brought in Damien Martin to bat seven. Oh, And they axed Adam Dale and brought in Rifle in his place. Ah, okay. Two changes, and then they still lost. Pakistan made 275, and Australia were bowled out for 265. Well, they were just resting. The bowling workloads are a bit too high, so they dropped a whole bunch of bowls. Mm, I'm not sure about that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, At least that's the excuse now. Now, this is a game that got Australia back on track. Uh, four days later, they moved to Chesterley Street, which is in Durham. Mm-hmm. They played Bangladesh. They bowled Bangladesh out for 178. Who went nuts in the run chase? Mark Waugh. No. Tom Moody. Yes, Tom Moody. God, I said Tom Moody like eight times. (laughs) Is this when he was brought in after the alcohol bin? Oh, I don't know. I I reckon it was. Tom Moody had too many frosts. No, no, he was brought in. So C4 had this policy in the 99 World Cup where they wouldn't drink for the whole World Cup because because of the 98 Commonwealth Games. So he felt like the Australian team were being two party boys, and that's why they only won the silver medal when South Africa beat them in the final. So at the start of the World Cup, he brought in this alcohol ban. Jeez. And then Tom Moody, being the older statesman and the old head, said to Steve Waugh, look, mate, you got to kill this alcohol ban. The boys need a beer with dinner or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as the ban was lifted, that's when they started winning games. Oh, really? Yeah. The old curmudgeon Steve yeah. Waugh just... Uh... Didn't know his players. Trying to put his stamp on it because, yeah. like, he wasn't captain for so long. So yeah, yeah. And he had a rocky um, tour of the Windies just a month. Or That's two right. Ago. Yeah, when he dropped. Oh, Shane Warne. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so Shane Warne hated his guts and then couldn't drink. He's obviously having a million beers in his hotel room. Shane Warne doesn't drink beer. He drinks oh, yeah, 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 he had a million stollies. Yeah, yeah. Having a stolly with Mike Slater. Mike's hard lemonade. Yeah, exactly. Mike's hard. Sorry, David Cloak. Come on tour. There's the blind with Mike's heart. Yes, yeah. uh, yeah, so the Bangladesh game. Australia, after one game, they dropped Damien Martin and brought in Brendan Julian. Mm-hmm. And they dropped Paul Rifle and brought in Tom Moody. Uh-huh. Was, really was Paul Rifle dropped or injured? Did he have a twisted bowel or something, or a twisted nah, stomach? Craig McDermott in 90. Well, it was too. Well, I'll go with dropped. They might have been injured. Twisted uh, bowel? Yeah. 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 Oh Craig McDermott, yeah. yeah. Oh. How'd he do it? He ate crocodile. Yeah. <laughs> so the crocodile did like that. That crocodile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So um, <laughs> Julian batted at three, and Rudy batted at four, made 56, and they won in 20 overs. They made 181 in 19.5 overs. Ah, Jesus! Starting to find their feet. That's a T20. Well, that's a good T20 score. Yeah, yeah, and that was amazing. Uh, Then Australia needed to win its final game against the West Indies at Manchester three days later. Australia won that. What was the controversial thing about how they won? Duckworth Lewis. What was the question? Sorry, I wasn't listening. The controversial thing about how they won. Who did they play? West West Indies. Indies. You need to jump in here, but we're not getting they, this stuff. Bowled, <laughs> was, was it light? They, no, no, they bowled the West Indies out for 110. That wasn't controversial. Ooh. It was the run chase that was controversial. Someone uh, claimed a catch that wasn't there? No, so Steve War and Michael Bevan were batting. Australia only chasing 110. Mm-hmm. And they knew that... They had to... Oh, sorry, I know the answer. Yeah. yeah. So they slowed right down. Yeah. Um, so Michael Bevan and Steve War blocked out like 20 overs. Yeah. So their net run rate would be better than the next team who were coming through, which okay. didn't matter anyway because the next team <clears throat> won by like a 1,000. So yeah, they yeah. were trying to make sure they didn't lose another week. Yeah, so, okay. because, so because the way the World Cup worked the, then, yeah. you when you went through to the Super Super 8 stage or Super 6 stage, yep. you took the points from the teams that you had beaten who joined you in the Super 6 or something right. like that, Ross? Yes, yes. They wanted so to they wanted the West Indies to make the Super 6 because they were going to beat them, so they wanted those points to come with, through with ah, them. Ah, okay. Yeah. It was that's a really fucking terrible. Imagine hearing from you, like you're the drinks runner, and the coach is like, Tell them this. Yeah. You've got to do this exactly this. Then you're running out halfway there. Yeah. And I forgot they were the game. So they down. wanted to beat the West Indies, but they wouldn't. They didn't want to beat them so badly that the West Indies dropped down to the Super Six because they wanted to bring the points that they yeah. won against West Indies through yeah. with them to the Super Six. Didn't matter anyway because West Indies were kicked out and they, okay, they went through with zero points. Yeah. That's why they had to win every game That's after right. that. Oh, so yeah. if the team you beat went through with you, you, you got took, points. You took what? points with them. Oh, because then you're better because you beat yes. the good side from that car. So. That's right. Uh huh. So it's like an ongoing seeding system. Yes. Yeah. 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 That is terrible. I don't know. No, no. I, I do. Actually reckon <laughs> That's one to me, Ross, obviously. The structure of the 99 World Cup is the best structure they've ever had. Well, there you go. I'm vindicated, Mick. No, you're not. No, it's just Ross. <laughs> they had two groups of six, and then they had the Super Six. The Super Six stage is a brilliant idea. Yeah. It's just that they went and fucked it up in 2007. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we don't want an explicit podcast. (laughs) Um, Alright, what's the next question, Roscoe? How did Australia win the game against the West Indies? By a wide runs in them? Yeah, someone said it. Extra, wide. As a wide. Yep. I think uh, the, the West Indies, I think, got frustrated and they just bowled a couple of wide downs to finish with. Oh, really? <laughs> Get off, I've had enough. Because they were taking one, so fucking long. At, at least one, if not a couple in an over to end the game. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. I think they were getting the shits because they kept them out yeah. there for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you're playing for your country and then you're like, let's finish this up. Yeah. Oh, park cricket. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Chris Gale Chris learned a lot from that World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, boys, we're going to get the stripper poles. Come on. <laughs> In my shower. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so Australia made it through to the Super Six stage. So that meant that they had to play the other three. So the top three of six from each Group A and Group B qualified for the Super Sixes. Mm-hmm. You didn't play the teams from your group because you'd already played them. So you brought through their points. Yes. If that makes sense. So Australia didn't bring any points because they, they hadn't beaten anyone. Pakistan and New Zealand were the other two teams who came through from Group B. So yeah. Australia came through on zero points. And from Group A, there was India, South Africa and Zimbabwe. So at this stage, yep. everyone would have been going Australia and done. Oh, well, oh yeah, it was massive. Australia yeah. They had to win every game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would have been going, no chance against through. Not with these sides. Pakistan, Slum Pakistan or whatever you did. At Leeds on May 23, which is Monday, 17 yep. years ago, um, they had to win every game. To win the World Cup. Yeah. So just listening to that other top three that come through. So yeah. England didn't make the England Super Six. Abysmal. Yeah, yeah. Zimbabwe made it because they had one of the best teams of the modern era. With the Flower Brothers, he's streak. Yeah, yeah, they had a and, really and a good bloke, team. A bloke who's forgotten but was almost man of the tournament, Neil Johnson, opening the, ah, game, yes. opening the bowling. Yeah. Never heard he of him. He made a century against Australia. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, he, he didn't play that much international cricket, but that 99 World Cup, he was almost as good as the man of the tournament, who you'll know, Bullock? No. Oh. Brandon Julian? No. Bark Wall? No. Tom Moody? No. Man of the Tournament. Shane Warne? Okay, he didn't play for Australia. Was he back? It was a big Zulu Lance Klusner, was it? It was Zulu Lance Klusner. He was on fire. Jeez, he smacked us in that semi. But he did it all tournament. He batted nine. He just made an absolute bottom of runs. And took handy wickets, too. Yep, yep. Usually his bowling was just dross, but he's okay. Mm. Yeah. I think it's because he's very still when he jumped in the air. Like a panther leaping out of a tree. Mm. Sorry, Ross, continue. Australia beat India quite comprehensively at Lords. That was on a yep. Friday night, I remember that well, on June the 4th. They <laughs> then played Zimbabwe, and the War Brothers made a huge partnership. Mark War made 100 and they beat Zimbabwe despite the best efforts of Neil Johnson. And then it came down to the final Super no. Six game against South Africa. <clears throat> and Australia were chasing 270. Big total. Yeah. yeah. Back in those days, and it was at um, it was out at Leeds, so you know it was wickets that weren't that conducive to high scoring. And Australia had finally settled on a lineup that um, included Tom Moody batting at seven and Paul Rifle in the bowling lineup. Uh-huh. All right, so who knows what happened next? How did that game go? Oh, Herschel Gibbs dropped the World Cup. Yes, Herschel Gibbs dropped the World Cup. Yes. So he tried to throw the ball in the air after catching it. Yes. And when he tried to throw it in the air, he dropped the ball. Yes. That's yeah. It. Exactly. It. I've done that in a uh, Sunday morning cricket game in, like, primary school. <laughs> and tried to not say I was sorry you were the error. I clearly was trying. <laughs> so I dropped the uh, Sunday morning cricket game. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it's an interesting one. It was 120 not out to Steve War, And then some late runs to Tom Moody that got Australia over the line in that semi-final, in that last game of the Super Sixes. 
Can I just confirm, was Tom Moody batting with his matchstick? Yes, he had a yeah, matchstick okay, and took it out there. It had a grey nickel sticker on it, though it wasn't actually grey nickels. Yeah. It was actually a matchstick. Yeah. Uh, uh, red, what are they called? Redheads. Yeah, yeah so, redheads. So that win and Herschel Gibbs dropping the World Cup meant that Australia finished top of the Super Sixes. Uh-huh. And uh, Australia then went on to play South Africa famously in the semi-final. And as we all know, it was a tie, but Australia went through because they finished higher on the table. And that's because South Africa did the maths wrong. No. Am I correct? No, no. No, that was 2003 World Cup. Ah, okay. Yeah. When they came up with a bit of paper and it had the pass score on it and you've got to get better than the pass score. Yeah, and they got the pass score. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. (laughs) Well, we just need David Bullock here because I uh, mixed up two World Cups. Oh, he's back. Thank God for that. What have you done? I mixed up the 2003 World Cup. What was the question? There was no question. Nah. We were just talking. Right. Yeah. Feeling dead air. And I was saying that that's where South Africa stuffed up the road rate calculation. But that was in 2003, not 1999. Moving on. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so the final was against Pakistan <laughs> and Lords. And um, it was the briefest... World Cup final ever. Yep. How many overs did it take? Um, they batted 70. 30 and we batted 20, maybe 50 overs. Oh, close. Close, both of you. 60 overs. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even guess me. Adam Gilchrist made his only half century of the tournament. He had a shocker. Off about 30 balls, wasn't it? The yep, final. Like and it was a real fizzer after epic. Um, final Super 6 game and uh, the semi-final. There's been a few final fizzes. Yeah. The one in the Caribbean was the a Australian, fizz. The yeah. Australian-Indian one when yeah, Ricky Potty made fizz. 150. Yeah. Mm. And the New Zealand one in Australia when... Ah, that's Once in a lifetime. Once in a lifetime. That was once in a lifetime. Once in a lifetime fizzer. Yeah. What's your question, Ross? So, <laughs> We, uh, who we, we talked about man of the tournament. Who was the leading wicket taker in the tournament? So it wasn't Kluzner. No. Glenn McGrath. No. Not Flamo. Oh, no, it's uh, uh, Shane Warne was equal. <coughs> was it White Lightning, Alan Donald? No. He mm. actually only took a handful of wickets for the tournament. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, no, actually, he wasn't doing it. He took 16. Um, Sean Pollock in that... Um, semi-final, took four wickets or five wickets against Australia, and he'd taken three for the whole tournament prior to that. that oh, yeah. What country does he play for, this leading wicket-taker? New Zealand. Not Chris Cairns. No, it wasn't Chris Cairns. Um, God, I don't know. Shane Bond? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not for Tory. No. You, you might not remember, he was a left-armer. No. Jeff Ballett. <laughs> Jeff oh, Allen. Yep. No. <laughs> right. All right. I, I do remember, I have very vivid memories of, um, it's one of the early times. I remember Shao Bakhtar from when Australia toured Pakistan in 98, but you didn't see a lot of TV footage, but 99 World Cup was um, more TV coverage. And um, Shao Bakhtar running in 50 whatever metres he ran in. Yeah, it looked like he's pushing off the fence. Yeah, pushing off the fence yeah. with his long sleeve lime green top on. God, he's chucking. And bowling wide after wide after wide. (laughs) There's these figures here. He took 17 wickets at 23. There's no numbers there on his um, number of wides. But I think he would have bowled 
Like, if he bowled a 10-over spell, he would have bowled 12, 13 overs. Yeah, no and he's still yeah. up for 23. The Duke, hey. the Duke ball was swinging around everywhere. It's May. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Hey, Ross, who hit the winning runs in the World Cup? Not in on. That'd be Buff Lehman. Yes, it was. Uh, he played. And he took the winning catch in the 2003 World Cup final. Oh, really? Yep. So going back to Shab, so there wasn't one person in that Pakistani outfit just went to him and went, hey, buddy, he just bowled across the same. Yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say that. You bowled play too. It was Abdel Razak. They would have had one of the best bowling liners of all time. Mate, they were a good team. Yeah, yeah. They're fast bowling liners. Yeah. Unbelievable. They just capitulated when they were batting. Yeah. Okay, so a, in the top ten bowlers mm-hmm. in the World Cup, at four, Sakhalay Mushtaq, Pakistan. At five, yep. Shahab Akhtar, Pakistan. <laughs> at seven, Wazim Akran, Pakistan. At nine, Abdul Razak, Pakistan. And at ten, Azam Mahmood, Pakistan. I, I wonder how many bats were in their top ten. Probably yeah. none. Probably none, yeah. I think their bowlers think. won it for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Let's go that way. All right. I'm sorry, I was in background, but I shot back down. Did I win that quiz again, Ross? Yes. Uh, yes, you finished you one, end. two. Yes, yep. <laughs> everyone else got none. Oh no, you got no, Mick movie. got one. Yeah. 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 Mick, Mick got one, and Gin, you finished on negative seven. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's <laughs> right. I was negative eight last week. I thought yeah. I was getting better. Yeah. Oh, vast improvement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, well, that was a cricket rewind quiz. Sorry, it took so long. We that was good, Ross. Move on now to international cricket, and first of all, it's IPL. Yeah, it's the Coley de Villiers show, isn't it? Yeah. Or just specifically so. the Coley show. Yeah. Well, Coley's been unbelievable. I read some quote. They what did they make? Nearly two hundred or something the other day. Two fifty, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Mm, crazy. Yeah. Adam Zampa <laughs> took six for a game. Yeah, he's yeah, been actually going all right. He'll come really good, I think. And he probably might play tests in the future. He's quite young, isn't he, Zampa? Yeah, he's oh, he pretty... looks young. Yeah, he yeah, looks like he's twelve. But he's got a smashed up nose, though. So yeah. a couple one in the um, face. Ross donation. Yeah. He, yes. um, he's been going all right, but um, he can't play anymore for reasons undisclosed, apparently. Is it um, a bad case of genital warts, like show back to back the day, and he just wants to not disclose it, allegedly? No, I'm not sure what's okay. going on. Yeah, it's weird he, that you won't disclose something. I think he got an ingrown toenail. Mm. Oh, that, that could be painful, especially if you're an all-rounder. But I'm not sure. that it was It was unclear. It might have been ingrown toenail or was it ingrown hair. Yep. Yeah. So, um, just a bit like how Steve Steve Smith bumped his wrist on a coffee table. You know, yeah. <laughs> Stump toe. Oh, I've got to get back to Australia. Maybe he had his fingers throwing the frisbee with the dog, Jeremy House style. Yes, yes. <laughs> Very funny, that. Yeah. Um, anyway, some other Australians have been going all right. I don't really give a shit. So, let's move on. <laughs> Some of the uniforms are horrendous in the office. Oh, oh just the worst. It's like colorblind people threw up on something. <laughs> <laughs> That's nearly as good as your turtle algebra. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to teach a turtle. <laughs> we move over now to Test Cricket, David. Yes. Um, I'm not sure if anyone watched this last night, the England Sri Lanka game. It's a bowler first. The debutante oh, debutant, was yeah. uh, had figures of three for one at yeah. one stage. Mm. He had uh, big wickets of Cook, uh, Joe Root, and, Compton. and Nick Compton. Straight out of Compton. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I think uh, they finished on five for 170. Rain intervened, surprise, surprise, in uh, England. Uh, what's his mate? Alex Hales. Uh, yeah. Got 70 odd not out so and from last night, and Bairstow got 50. Yeah, Bairstow's been in ripping form. Have you seen his stats, Ross, in the county cricket? Oh, mm-hmm. a couple of double tons or something, isn't it? Uh, Johnny Bairstow. It's like oh, a 150 and a 200 or something. Yeah, no, he's, <laughs> he's, uh, he's pulled out some runs. Alistair Cook, too, wearing a helmet that's not sanctioned by the. Uh, oh, he's actually, no, he's got the new helmet where you can't adjust it anymore. Uh, so it's got a fixed grill, and you're not allowed to adjust so it. So it looks like he has a normal sized forehead now. He Instead of like a ridiculously solid. Yeah, mind you. lost his mind last night on the commentary. Oh, really? Just about how... They were talking about the, the helmets and <laughs> how they're no longer allowed to be adjusted because of safety. Yeah. Ian Botham's first comment was, well, I suppose we'll use a tennis ball next. <laughs> and then he just launched into this slot. They're professional cricketers. They should be allowed to... If they want to walk out there with no helmet, they should be allowed to... Uh, One right? guy died. Well, it's not even like a bad guy died because England don't they don't force you to wear the flaps on the back. Phil oh. Hughes got hit on the back of the yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think this one's about Stuart Broad getting hit through the gap between oh, Grim right. and Peak. Oh. So that's why you can no longer adjust. Do the Australian helmets have the same thing? Because no. they just have the double wire now, so it doesn't flex. No, there's a double wire. I don't know if it's a ICC thing or if it's just an ECB thing. I'm assuming just ECB because yeah. I imagine the Australians would just go, "Fuck you, mate." Well. We'll walk out the bag of greens if we want to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because they, they recently did a, um, a independent <laughs> review into Phil Hughes' death mm-hmm. to find out whether it, you know, it is a medical... Yeah, well, uh, would the flaps have saved him? Did that come out and say it would have saved him? I think they wouldn't have. I think that was the thing. They wouldn't have saved him. He hit yeah. the neck. Yeah, it was lower. Like yeah, yeah, it's better well, to have the flaps. The, compressed his vein, not yeah. like it. Didn't hit him on the back of the scone and knock him no, out. No, yeah, they said the flaps wouldn't have helped. Well, the new design of the um, helmets wouldn't have helped. Yeah. And all the medical assistance he got given was fine. Yeah. So it was pretty much just you have to do an independent review if you're, yeah. if you're the national body, and that was the findings. And everyone did everything perfectly, and it was just a yeah. freak accident. Just freak accident. Unfortunately, well, that's what but, happens. Mm. But, like, they both of doing that is ridiculous. Like you said, they're, profe- they're professional right. athletes. They should work around their, you know... If you injuries. keep at the stumps now, as an England test cricketer, mm. you have to wear a helmet or yeah. protective eyewear. Yeah, that's fine. Imagine, no, but it's not fine. Why? If you, you don't want to keep in a helmet or sunglasses, why should you have to? You, you can wear, like, you know, people who do drilling and stuff in a concrete wear protective... why should you be forced to wear protective eyewear as a wicketkeeper? Because what's this bouncing? Bouncing can't see out of one eye. How many times that happened in Scrooge before? Once. Yeah. But I reckon bouncing, you said, if someone forced me to wear glasses, I probably would still be able to see, so I might have taken more than 400 tests. You don't think it's stepping over the line of what you're allowed to do as a professional athlete? I I think. Well, I suppose the. Well, Cook didn't complain, but I think as a professional athlete, you can't complain about something like that because you get paid to do this job. Both of Maybe them, it is a bit nanny state-ish. Both of them had a good point again last night too, is you should introduce these rules at underage level first, and then by the time that the people that you first introduced it to become yeah. test cricketers, yeah. then make it... So all the way up, right? So you yeah. introduce it at under-12s level. Yeah. yeah. So right, and then follow the year level up. And yeah. then you keep following yeah. it. So then they're used to it. Like someone like Cook now, who's made 10,000 test yeah. runs, 
having to wear a helmet he's not comfortable yeah, with. Yeah, but is it professional? It's like, it's like, yeah, but he's professional, so he should be able to wear whatever the fuck here's he wants an, to Here's an analogy that I like to make. There was a time in Australia when there were huge droughts and they had the Australian Open in golf. Mm-hmm. And the greens were unbelievably fast. It was like putting on concrete. And all the golfers complained about the greens being too fast. Mm-hmm. Shut up, it's your job. Everyone else is playing on the same conditions. If you can't handle it, you're a professional, you get paid like $400,000 a year, golfers, and these guys get paid more, test cricketers. Don't complain about it. Like, you are that good, you should be able to overcome one bar being slightly higher in your vision. Yeah, but again, as a, if you feel that's third slip, right, if yeah. you're in a certain diameter via ECB rules, you have to wear a helmet. Mm. You want a field and slip wearing a helmet? No. How the fuck are you going <laughs> to see the ball coming at the fence? <laughs> I'm glad someone else got that. I think the most disturbing thing about this whole conversation is how many times David said he agreed with Ian both. Oh, no. Yeah. That's <laughs> really, and you started out not agreeing with him. The first thing you said was, nah, he loves oh, we're not going to play with tennis balls now. No, nah, but that was funny. I appreciate that. Comment. Oh, okay. So you shouldn't tell it. professional cricketers or professional athletes at any level yeah. what they can and cannot wear. Right, here's, the, here's the flip side, though. I agree with the point of introduce it at an age level and then follow it through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's true. But what happens in the next 10 years if someone dies well, or gets, can't see anymore? Tough. It'd be, well, you, you, it'd be you, desperately no, no. unlucky because it happened no, no, 120 no, no, years no, no, before. No, no. I'm just saying this is what they're thinking. Yeah, yeah right. I understand that. Playing but devil's what, advocate here. But yeah. what you should do then, Alex, is say, yes. right, we recommend that this is the standard you should have and put all the yeah. rules and regulations out and say, if you choose not to follow mm. these rules and regulations, then your you're on family your own. Can't sue us. You're on your own. Yeah, yeah. but then yeah. you have like Nathan Brackens and stuff that complain yeah. well, about their deep knees deep. going and stuff. Yeah, yeah. well, if someone's going to do that though, there's that many people playing. One yeah, person's going to sue someone. Well, yeah, but soon a field will get grass burned and sue the cricket ground because they burnt their knee play, playing on the grass as they slid off. Yeah, well, if someone loses their eyesight, so what are they going? They weren't forced to wear something. Someone's going to sue. No. I'm not saying everyone That's will. Bullshit. They won't. Yeah. It's a work cover issue. There's a difference between suing and winning. Yeah, yeah, but one wicketkeeper is... James Hurst. Well, I'm, hey, I'm not disagreeing with <laughs> them to say this is what people are saying. In the last this, is, this is how people are thinking at that level. No wonder I gave up the gloves. These fucking rules and regulations coming through. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ross. Move on. <laughs> See, it's just the, the, too long, the uh, sound bites. Way too long. Uh, no, no, they're all within the regulation 30 seconds. <laughs> Don't talk about regulations. Yeah, yeah. ECB, um, British soundbite standards. Yeah, <laughs> What's next, Ross? That'd be BS. Uh, we've got some listener feedback, actually. Have we? Yeah, yeah. I was just having a look on the interwebs. And, um Spit it out. It was um, some direct feedback to Mick from Tip Madsley, our man. <laughs> yeah. He's about to read out what I was going to read out. Oh, yeah. yeah. He yeah. said, tell the other blokes to speak up. You don't need to. There's some list of feedback for you. <laughs> I reckon that might have been uh, explicit yeah, cut out it there. Was, it wasn't yeah. the word blokes. That so yeah. we're, we're an explicit podcast, but we can't say the C word. Uh, well, I'm choosing... I think we can. Yeah, he, 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 he called you a Mike Hunts. Yeah. yeah. He called you a groundskeeper of Lord's Cricket yeah, Ground. that's right. Do we have an Alex's yeah. Outbox? Yes. No, no. We just have a um, friend of the show and brother of the show, Chris Bullock, who won the uh, signed lithograph that I mentioned before. Good on him. That'll get sent to him in the coming weeks. I've got a long flight over to New Zealand, and it'll get drawn during there. <laughs> so you can look forward to a fantastic 
Painted inside with a grass. Are you going to the New Zealand Cricket Museum with the Hall of Fame for all the blokes who average 35 in test cricket? <laughs> I think it's in Auckland. That's what I'm he's doing over there, yeah. yeah he's, right. he's doing podcast research. Got the Burt Sutcliffe Oval and all that shit. Yep, I'll be hitting up all the great first-class cricket grounds in New Zealand. That's like when I go to Las Vegas in July. I'm yep. there promoting cricket to... Yeah. The United States. Yeah. Are you going to see the mayor about building a T20 yes, city yeah. stadium? So, Warnie and I have gone in yeah. together yeah. and uh, we'll be building a stadium in Las Vegas oh, to host. Nice. Um, they yeah. call the paparazzi on him. And call you'll it charge like, like 120, 130 Australian or American just to get people in oh, the ground to watch yeah. like that. It's just hitting yeah, the game where people don't yeah. care. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been the Mid-Off Cricket Podcast, another Big Lug production brought to, you, brought to you by our host of financially viable sponsors, the Gold Medal Soft Drink Company, Dick Smith, Masters, Pizza Haven, Barnacle Bills, Ollie Scholly, Blalo, Franklin Supermarket, Tucker Bear, Pocket Mail, Hey, Pocket Mail Me, Shopper, Dicks, Flash Drives, and all our podcasts are recorded onto high-quality Betamax. And soon-to-be 8-track. Track. Oh, and you've also track. forgotten College Class Submarine sponsorship. Ah, so. yes, yeah. our new platinum sponsors, the College <laughs> yeah. Class Submarine. Yeah, they put in a lot of money. Yeah. 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 On all major social media and podcast platforms, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, at Midoff Cricket, on our website, midoffcricket.wix.com slash home. Yeah. Check out Mixed Blogs. I believe now that you guys are in Reservoir, you're going off now to set off some illegal fireworks. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and some drag racing down Cheddar Road. (laughs) And you're going to navigate your way through the Broadway intersection. Yeah. I'll put my slicks on. (laughs) We're going to be dragging up and down all night, fellas. Our next podcast will be in a fortnight. As um, the first weekend in June, in fact, as Australia's tour of the West Indies kicks off. But until next time, it's bye for now. Thanks for listening. See you, Ross. See you, Hendricks.